Yesterday afternoon, I was, uh, I was meeting with a couple who are going to be getting married in August. And uh, so we were talking about, you know, the, the wedding, and I was just getting to know them a little bit, getting to know what their, their background, because they're getting married at St. Willibrod's Parish, so they, they'd already, I, I hadn't met them yet, I'm doing the wedding down there. And... Um, so I'm, I'm meeting with them and I'm asking them, oh, how big is the wedding going to be? And they said, well, it's going to be about 50 people. It's going to be small. And I said, oh, okay, that's nice. I, I'm all for simplicity. But I said, is it... Uh, and then I was asking a little bit more information, realized they have kind of a big family. So, you know, they come from rather, you know, uh, decent-sized families. And I was, I was like, oh, so is that going to be difficult when you only have... You're having 50 people at the wedding? And they're like, yes, yeah, it's causing a lot of problems because, uh, you know, you have to send out the invitations and some people were really trying to keep it to just really close family and it's causing some problems. And I, it sort of reminded me of this, I remember this woman a few years ago, I was talking to her and she was, she was really, she was kind of upset because her, her friend's daughter was getting married and this is a girl that she'd known since she was born. And, and, you know, they, they was, it was going to be a small wedding and it was just going to be family. They weren't, they weren't inviting, you know, anybody beyond that. And so this woman was saying, you know, up here, I get it. Up here, I get, I get you know, what they're trying to do and I, I understand completely. But here, it still hurts. Because I felt like they were family. And, you know, and, and so... Well, it, it still can, it hurts to feel left out or excluded. And nobody, nobody likes to feel excluded. And it doesn't matter at what stage of your life and at what, what, what it is that, you know, if you're, for boys and girls, for, you know, for you guys, if you're not getting invited over to somebody's house to, for, to play and you find out some other friends are going over, you feel sad you get you feel excluded and that's the same thing for adults if you know you find out your friend some friends are getting together for a dinner party or going out to a restaurant and then and you don't get invited it's it can hurt and it doesn't matter if you understand completely the feeling is still there of being excluded you know there is there's a beautiful icon from, it's an icon of the Blessed Trinity, and it's painted by a Russian monk, Andrei Rublev, and it was painted in the early 1400s, and I'll, I'll just show you a, a bit of a, a reproduction and a little bigger image of it, that, um, so you can get a, a bit more sense of it, and this icon depicts the story from the Bible. It depicts a story of the Bible where Abraham meets three strangers and he invites them to share a meal and stay with him. The th these three strangers turn out to be angels sent to give Abraham a message and a blessing. But, but Rublev, when he's painting, when he, I guess it's writing an icon, you don't paint an icon, you write it, it's, it's called. But when he, when he created this icon, he wants us to see, to see this as an image of the Trinity, of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. 
And the thing that you immediately notice in this icon of the Trinity is that they're sitting around a table about to share a meal. And there's actually, there's a vacant space right at the front of the table. It's, it's an icon that invites you in. And because it's based on the story of Abraham, it conveys an openness and a welcome to the stranger and to the outsider. But I think that spot at the front of the table is first and foremost an invitation to you and to me. I think God is inviting us in. And no one is excluded. No one is kept at the doorstep. We're all invited in to sit down at the table and to share. Share a meal, share in the life of the Trinity, share in the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus tells Nicodemus today in the Gospel that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, Jesus goes on to say, indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God wants to share everything he has with us. He shares his Son with us. And he wants us at the table with him. You boys and girls who are going to be receiving your first Holy Communion today, in a very real way, you are being invited to share in the table with God. And this isn't simply spiritual, this is in a physical sense, too. God gave us his only son, Jesus. And God sent his son into the world. In effect, this is even better than that... Rublev icon of the Trinity because it isn't so much that we have to go looking for God and when we find him he welcomes us to sit down at the table with him the father in fact sent the son to invite us the son as as we the son who as we celebrated last week at Pentecost sends the holy spirit to us to guide us to lead us to bring us home, to bring us to eternal life, to bring us to that eternal banquet in heaven. We have been invited to share in the life and the love of the Trinity. And we are no longer strangers and, and outsiders, but now we become part of God's family. The Son was sent to make us his brothers and sisters and to give us eternal life with the Father. It's an incredible invitation. An incredible gift, in fact. And invitations these days are so, so important. You know, our culture, our culture is changing really, really rapidly. The other day I was, I was talking to somebody about, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, I started delivering newspapers. And, and not only did de delivering the newspaper not only involve getting up early in the morning and actually going to people's houses and, and leaving the paper there, twice a week in the evening, I had to go collect from everybody all the money that they owed me now. I think it was a buck 65 a week or something like that. It was something like, I think it was, it was, you know, back then it seemed like money, but you know, now 
But the thing was that twice a week, on my own, I went out into the neighborhood and knocked on everybody's door. And every once in a while, so, and like when they answer, they would invite me in. They'd say, oh, come on inside. And this 10-year-old boy would go into strangers' homes and you'd, you'd wait there for them to go get some money or something like that to, get, to, to, to pay you. Or then they'd come back and say, oh, I don't have any, uh, any money. Can you come back next week? Or do you have any change? You know, and they, I'd ha but I'd be inside people's houses at 10 years old into these, these basically these strangers' homes. Anybody willing to let their 10-year-old do that nowadays? They, nowadays, anybody even answer the door if somebody rings at 8.30 at night and you don't, you're not expecting them? Nobody goes door to door. You know, when I was a kid, you'd also go, people go door to door selling chocolate bars for their school fundraiser. Now, now you just give them to your parents to sell it at their work. And... You know, that, that's uh, last Halloween. Last Halloween, I, was, I went out with, because it's like, you know, first time you could go out in a couple of years, because I think the previous year, it was like some deluge that happened on Halloween or something. So it got, but I went out on Halloween with one of my godchildren and, or, and to go out to Halloween, and they, they didn't know how to ring the doorbells. It had, been a, it had been like three years since they went out to Halloween. They don't know how to go up and, and knock on a door, ring a doorbell to get candy. They learned quickly. You know, there's incentives involved in there on Halloween, but nobody does that anymore. Even adults just don't go and ring a bell anymore. If I have to go to someone's house, if I'm dropping something off, picking something up, I text first. And half the time when I get there, I don't even ring the bell, I just text them, I'm outside. Nobody just drops in for a visit. We need an invitation. We need to know that we'll be welcomed rather than just show up and risk intruding. Or being told, you know, it's not a good time, and then we feel rejected. In that way, our society has changed quite a bit since I was young. And I'm not saying it's good or it's bad. I think it's pretty neutral, but, it's, but it just is. We need to be invited. Not many people are going to show up on the off chance someone will welcome them in. That's the way it is in our world. That's the way it is with our faith. That's the way it is with our, our church. You know, the, the family that, the boys and girls that you have with you, they got invited to come here because they knew they were coming for you and they knew that you would be here, that your families would be here to, to welcome them, to greet them. Too many people... Too many people presume that if they come to church unannounced, uninvited, that not only will they be not made to feel welcome, they'll be actively made to feel unwelcome. A lot of people think that they're going to be made to feel as if they're intruding. As if, you know, they're, this is some insider's club and you have to show some pass to get in. They need to be invited. Actually, more than they need to be invited, they deserve to be invited in. God sent his son into in the world in order that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son to invite you and to invite me into eternal life. And after all, if I'm going to be honest with myself, 
Who am I that I should be invited into eternal life? And if I deserve to be invited, everyone deserves to be invited. And so I ask myself, am I sharing that invitation? Are you sharing that invitation? Are you sharing that invitation with your neighbors, sharing it with your colleagues, with your friends? Is there someone you might deliberately be excluding because, and not wanting to invite them, someone who, because either they don't look, they don't act, they don't think like you, or they don't look, act, or think like me, the invitation is for them too. They deserve to know that God loves them, that he wants them at his table, that he wants them part of his family. They deserve to be invited. And so the other thing I ask myself is, as a parish, are we inviting? As a parish, are we welcoming? Are we making a place for others to join? Are we willing to move over a little to make a place for others? Figuratively, and sometimes actually literally, are we actually even willing to move and make place for others? If you ask me to take a look at our parish, I'd say it's something we're getting better at, but there's still work to be done. Jesus, Jesus invited you in. He invited me in. He made room for you. He made room for me at the table. In fact, not only has he made room for us at the table, he's actually invited us to be part of his family with the Father and the Spirit. He wants to make room for everyone. And so he invites us to share that invitation with others too. Because being part of God's family means making room for others and inviting others in.